Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager with the leadership team of Relate365.com. We're glad that you're with us. This is a time where we sit around a table and have a conversation between a couple generations. Today, once again, I'm with Nate Brash. You've heard him a lot lately. And we're excited that he's willing to come and open up his life and dialogue with us about what it's like to go through a terminal illness. And he will either have God heal him, or he will stay many years with this sickness or short time, uh, or he will die. Those are the options, and mm -hmm. those are the options for everybody. Yeah. Well, the options for me are a little bit more, but the options for everybody is you're going to die eventually. Right. And you just may not know what from yet. Yep. You probably know most likely what it's going to be from. Mm -hmm. Unless, of course, you got hit, hit by, by a bus. bread truck. Yeah, a bread bus. truck. <laughs> Ice cream truck would be better. Yes. Maybe it could spill on you while you're going mm. out. Yeah. I know some of you are already upset with us because we're <laughs> laughing about something. The, the truth of the matter is we all know that this life ends. Mm -hmm. We know that. When you live as if it doesn't, I think you're foolish. Mm-hmm. It's not that you need to make light of it, but I don't think you should live as if you're going to live forever on this earth. You are going to live forever. And you need to have your relationship with God right. Mm -hmm. And I invite you to contact us. If you want to talk to Nate about anything, you just want to talk to him about life and about the Bible, I'm sure he'd be willing to do that because he's going through things that either you are or you're going to. Mm -hmm. Or and you, you may never well. have to experience, but you're going to be yeah, prepared. I, I think one of the weirdest things that will happen, actually, is if somebody walks out and does get hit by a truck and dies, they didn't prepare for that moment. Mm -hmm. You actually get to prepare for it, so it's a little bit different. I think most people in our in my situation are far more prepared than the people that are healthy as all get out. And yep. it's a lot easier for them to be prepared. And if every single one of us can name people we know that died suddenly that was mm -hmm. unexpected. Yep. I mean, my dad had a heart attack. He was gone. That was it. I didn't have a chance to go talk to him. I didn't have a chance to say anything, last words or whatever else it might be. That's a different situation, mm -hmm. but it's very real and it yep. can happen to any of us. So we need to be prepared for death. We don't know when, but we need to be prepared for it. The last time we got together, we were talking about things that you learned that you wish or that you could have known while you were totally well if we're ever totally well, but during that time period, that, that we're encouraging those who are in their mid-30s right now, maybe they're family men, maybe they're not, or ladies, whatever it is, and, but we're encouraging them, here's a lesson you learned because you got sick, but you should have known it when you were well and applied it. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the first ones was just to really be prepared for an emergency if you have a family, for example, for life insurance and that kind of thing. And you can go back to Relate365.com, download the last program that Nate and I did together, and hopefully you'll be able to listen to that so we don't want to go over that point again. But what, what is another thing maybe you've learned while you were sick that, or while you are sick right now that you should have known or could have known while you were well? Well, it's something that I've always known, but is when you're healthy, you don't really think about it a whole lot because you're healthy. You're right. fine. Right. Is the the relationship with people. Stuff just disappears. You know, and we, we've said that uh, probably numerous times on this program. Um, you know, my lawn will disappear. I wish it would sometimes disappear yeah. quicker, but. Um, Put AstroTurf in. <laughs> that, that just doesn't look right, though. No. 
Nope. But you know, people are important. You know, the relationships that we have with people we meet, our family, friends, those that's where your meaning comes from. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, again, it's I've always known, but you know, when you're in your thirties, you're not really thinking about that. You're kind of coming into the, the height of your career and you're you don't have you're not thinking about death, you're not thinking about anything else other than you're usually advancing your career, which, you know, in and of itself is not bad. You know, if you're very talented at what you're doing, you know, it's good. But you have to have a balance. Yeah, when you talk about relationships, though, here I guarantee this, that if I were to talk to you before you knew your diagnosis, you would have told me that relationships are important. Mm -hmm. How has it really changed, though, in your brain? A uh, great example, last night, uh, I was responding to a, a text that somebody sent. And you know, my son asked, as I'm responding to a, a text, hey, Daddy, can I sit on your lap? And I said, oh, hold on, I'm finishing up a text. I didn't need to finish that text right there. This right. was something that could have waited. You know, it's showing the importance to somebody, you're more important right. than this, what I'm doing right now. Right. I, I think academically, most people would say relationships are important. But when you are put in a position where you are, what, that you're in, mm -hmm. you begin to realize, okay, they were important academically to me. I would mm -hmm. never disagree with that. My relationship with God was important, but it's at a new dimension because of the illness that I'm yeah. suffering. And the new dimension is not a bad dimension. I, in other words, do you want to go back to the way you were relationally before you got sick? No. See, that's <laughs> what the point is. It's <laughs> like the relationships become so much more important. Mm -hmm. uh, when my mom was dying, I, I've said it so often, all she wanted was her sons around her. Mm -hmm. sons daughter-in-laws i mean grandkids she didn't care about the grass she didn't care about sports she didn't care about a lot of things but she cared about the people in her life mm -hmm. and that's very i think it's very common when people are they're going through the the dying process right they want to be surrounded by the people who care about them and who they know care about them yep and i would suggest that if you're a young man woman right now and you're I would suggest that you rearrange your life so that relationships have the time that they should have. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that you don't go to work. Are you suggesting people quit oh, their job and just hang not. out with their kids? Absolutely not. Because okay. as a, you know, as a husband and a father, you know, we're charged with you know we got to take care of our family. Right. You know, it's I take that charge very seriously, and you know I've got to provide for them. Um, but there's priorities that you can do. You know, it's the unfortunate thing in the world we live in. It's all about work, 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 buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. And before you know it, you've got, you know, a husband and, you know, wife both working, kids are in daycare. Where's the relationship in that? Yep. You know, your relationship with your kids suffer, the relationship with your spouse suffers. And, yep. you know, it's fortunately, you know, I've never been in that position well, with my wife and I. You know, she's, we've had it where we both have worked, uh, but it was a choice we made when we uh, moved to the beautiful Northwoods that I would be the one working. Yep. Um, you know, and you know, with my parents, uh, my mom didn't start working until uh, us kids were, you know, to the point where we're all in school and didn't matter anyways. Right. But, you know, the way that America is set up today is it's very tragic. It's very uh, commuter-based on, you know, all about c accumulating stuff. 
So you moved from a more urban area to northern Wisconsin to a very rural area. Yes. I never go back. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's interesting about that is because of your move and because you sim- simplified your lifestyle, your wife did not really need to work. No. So you made deliberate and intentional decisions mm-hmm. to live a simpler life in a quieter place so that you could actually spend more time with your children influencing them. Or in this case, your wife can spend more time with the children influencing them. Mm-hmm. And, and you are doing what you needed to to free her to do that. Yeah. See, I think that's a good thing. I think people might look at that. You know what I get tired of hearing, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. When somebody comes to me and they say, well, we both have to work. No, you and don't. I, yeah, I mean, I look at it and think, well, really, you can change your lifestyle dramatically. Mm-hmm. It's all what you're willing to give up. Yeah. If, if we were strapped with two car payments, you know, we would be in a world of hurt right now. If Absolutely. Two car payments to try to figure out because that could be, you know, five, six hundred bucks yep. right there, which I don't have to worry about. Yep. And it's again, that's God, you know, was preparing for this from, you know, well before I was ever diagnosed. And, you know, I still think my wife works, I think, a lot harder than I ever did, you know, raising the kids. You know, my hat goes off to her. It's uh, yep. being a full-time mom is not an easy job. No, you know, no, it, it absolutely is a big job. Husbands out there, yep. be appreciative of your wives that do that. It is, they, they really work, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. They are, they they work. Yeah. Well, you can get me in trouble because I am, I, you know, when I tell somebody that I don't really think both of you have to work, I usually get in trouble by saying that because they say, no, we have to. And my, my immediate response is, no, you really don't have mm-hmm. to. You're choosing to live in this area in houses that cost this much. Mm-hmm. And what you need to say is, I have made choices where both of us need to work in order to accommodate the lifestyle that we have, mm-hmm. and I'm not willing to change the lifestyle, so both of us need to work. But you can change a lifestyle, mm-hmm. and you just have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Uh, I think people should be concerned with how many outsiders are raising their children, yeah. because we're too busy to raise them, and we actually think that money is going to be the solution to all their problems. The solution starts at the house. Yeah. Satan knows if he gets a hold of the family and breaks that family apart, he knows he's got the win. Yeah. You know, I, my own, as long as I'm getting in trouble, <laughs> um, I think that we train our young people, our children from a very early age, that money and gifts are how you show love. And they get warped from the time they're young to mm-hmm. think that stuff actually equates love. Mm-hmm. When actually time does. You know, if my wife and I, when every day we will talk about a time where we get together and we go for a walk, it's usually an hour walk, and it's a time that we schedule because we're important to each other and we Mm want to make sure that the day stops and we get two things accomplished during that hour. We get to walk, which is an exercise, at least at my age it is, (laughs) and we get to talk to each other for an hour. Or we get to just be with each other for an Mm -hmm. hour and and be rather quiet. And sometimes that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Regardless, it's an effort that's being made to stop everything for a little bit so that we can be together. Uh, Something my dad 
told me many, many, many years ago is it, you make time for what's important. Yep. And you can tell a lot about what's important in somebody's life just by watching them for 24 hours. Did you see that meme? I think it was on Facebook or something where they showed a baby with an alarmed look in the backseat of a car and it was like, they're telling you to put something important in the backseat so you can remember mm. your kids. <laughs> yep. You know, and I, I thought that was hilarious because that little baby looked like, what do you mean something important? <laughs> I am important. You know, I, I, I think that sometimes what happens is we, we have fallen for the lie that our children will be better off if we had more money and can give them more stuff. When I think children will be better off if you gave them yourself. Mm-hmm. I've noticed with my kids that you give them a toy, they play with it for five, ten minutes, move on to the next one. Yeah. Take that one toy they had, give it back to them a week later. Oh, hey, new toy. Yep. But, you know, they're sitting next to me, you know, just sitting there. That 15, 20 minutes are there is far more meaningful. They seem a lot of times they're quiet. They're yep. happy, content, because they know they're with somebody that loves them and cares for them. Absolutely. I think kids are not, when they start screaming for stuff because they want to feel love through stuff, we've trained them wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not stuff. Poor people who cannot give their children gifts can give their children the gift of time. Mm-hmm. And time is far more valuable than anything else you're going to give them. I think that, that really if I could advise people in your generation right now, it would be make sure that you schedule real time for the important people in your life. Mm-hmm. Schedule the time because it's going to flitter away and you're not going to have it and the children are going to grow older and all of a sudden you're going to wonder why you don't have the influence you should. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, unscheduled time always seems to go to your weakness. Mm -hmm. It always does. So if I get home, let's say I went to work all day and I come home and my weakness is to watch sitcoms or something. What's going to happen is I'm going to sit down. I don't have a plan for that night, so I'm going to watch sitcoms all evening. And then at the end of the night, I'm going to get up going, wasted that night. And I'm going to go to bed, and if I don't have a plan for tomorrow, I'm going to repeat that until mm-hmm. that becomes what's ingrained in me. So I would suggest the principle, again, is unplanned time always goes to your weakness. Plan your time. If, you have, if you're married, plan some time to be with your wife. If you have children, plan time to be with them. Maybe if you have, you have three children, Correct. plan time to be with each of them alone. Plan time to be with them together as a family. And it doesn't have to be four hours a day. Mm. It's, it's amazing what, you know, as bad as it sounds, what little time you can put into them, how far that goes. Oh, yeah. It, and it's, they love it. Turn the media off. Mm-hmm. Just put the phone, in fact, tell your kid that I'm putting this away because it's time for us to do something. Mm-hmm. And they can see how important they are to you at that point. I tell you, that's what young people need. They don't need to be reinforced that you're so important, I'm going to buy you a new you know, dress. They are important. If they need a new dress, buy it for them. Mm-hmm. But, but don't tie it to the fact that they're loved by you at that point. And I think it's uh, one of those things we have to look at and reevaluate. I think we need to quit lying anyway and say, I can't help it. I, you know, both of us have to work. No, both of you don't. We mm-hmm. know areas where you can buy houses that are pretty cheap. Well, even in areas that people say you can't find a cheap house, it all depends on what you're willing to sacrifice. Absolutely. Kids don't need to have their own room. 
Yeah, I, my brother and I shared room up until he went off to college. There you go. I had a roommate all the time I grew up. I didn't care because I didn't yeah. know any different. You know, we had, you know, one and a half bath. You know, we don't, every kid doesn't need their own bathroom. Yep. There's, it's all, what are you willing to sacrifice? Yep. And it's, it's amazing how far that dollar will go when you're willing to sacrifice. Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I grew up in a pretty small house too in Chicago. I mean, really small. And you don't have a whole lot of, of secret life Mm-mm. in those small houses. No. <laughs> but today people seem to be isolated, mm-hmm. lonely. We harbor it. And, and maybe we think these big houses we've built and giving everybody their own space and all that is something that's good for them. When in reality, maybe it keeps them from the relationships mm-hmm. they should have. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not condemning big houses, whatever. What I am saying is I think that if relationships are important, that you have to rearrange your life so that the relationships mm-hmm. can be had. Yep. I think you need to offer space. It's a, you know, the tiny house stuff. I would go nuts in a little 300-square-foot house with right. five. That, no. Yeah, that, that trend <laughs> would not fit me either. Claustrophobia but, uh-huh. would kick in. You sneeze and you get a concussion. Yep. But, you know, there's... Space is nice, but how much space? And that's a that's a question that I think is different for everybody. It is. And, you know, some of that has to do with personality. Mm-hmm. So when you look at your children, and, and here's the fun part, because you schedule time so you're, you're with them and you really are playing with them and you're focused on them, you start to see their characteristics yeah. develop. And you begin to understand, to make this child successful, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. To make that child successful, I need to do this. And it could be different, but you're the parent. So now you're the one that knows. So you're the one that knows, and you're not really going to trust other people with the very important job of being the major influencer in your children's lives. Correct. Uh, When you look at how much hours of influence daycare has over how many hours of influence a parent has, the parent is always going to have more hours of influence. Yep. And it would be a lot simpler if every kid could be raised the same. You know, have a little book you pull out, pull out, oh, directions. But yeah, that would be too simple. Well, sometimes parents think, well, we're doing all the right things so our child is influenced, right? Mm-hmm. But let me let me throw out a perspective from an old teacher. If, if a child, let's say I'm sending my child to church, and I'm thinking because my child goes to a church that has Sunday school in the morning, a junior church, Sunday night even, mm-hmm. you know, for an hour, mm-hmm. and maybe a, a club for two hours. And in the week, so a youth club that they go to on a certain night. So right now what we've done is we've gone one, two, three, four hours a week. Four hours a week. There's 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. There's seven days in a week. We're not even close to having the hours of influence at church that needs to be done for a child. Yep. To trust that the church is doing something to raise our children and make sure that they turn out the way they should is ludicrous. They only have them so many hours. Well, and you have, what, two teachers per, say, seven, eight students if it's a smaller church. Absolutely. And they got, they have to divide their time amongst all of them. Yeah. And it's, it's a Likewise challenge. Likewise in school. I yeah. mean, I, I was a teacher there. You've got one teacher. I had 27 students. Mm-hmm. You divide your time. Half the time, honestly, don't tell any teachers I told you this, we were giving them what I called busy work. Stay over <laughs> there. Keep busy because I got to work with these guys over here. And I need to keep you occupied while I work with them. Now, the busy work wasn't 
a waste of time. It was something that was good for him. But it wasn't something I graded either. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really honestly to keep them busy. If we're counting on schools who are valueless, if we're counting on churches, which do have values, but basically don't have enough hours to influence, we're counting on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Now, I think these are great supplements for parents. If a child comes home, your children ever come home and talk to you about what, what went on at school? Uh, we force our kids to tell us what went on at okay. school. So they that is a t- to get a conversation going. Yeah, yeah that's I've, a dialogue. Yep. After Sunday school, you know, we're heading home from church. We'll ask, so what did you what did you learn in Sunday school today? Right. Just like with school, you know, we want to find out what's going on, and it forces you know our kids to learn how to have a conversation. You know, it's a thing that I've noticed over you know with my generation is nobody knows how to have a conversation nowadays. Right. You can't sit across the table without pulling their smartphone out and texting. All right. Tr- true confession. Did you ever text your wife when she was in the other room? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have too. Because <laughs> <laughs> the kids are shouting. and <laughs> yeah. I, I find it funny. And she, of course, came out and said, what was that about? <laughs> kind of thing. But I just thought, why not try it? it I mean, she's got her phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it, but it is sad how many people don't know how to have a conversation. And it's something that starts when you're young. And we're teaching our younger kids how not to have a conversation because they're secluded in their own room. They get, you know, how many of these kids have their own tablets have, right? you know, it's, it's sad. And and really there's so much to be said with relationships that are face to face. Mm -hmm. When we communicate, we communicate in so many different ways. When you and I are talking right now on the radio or podcast, however people listen to it, there's a single dimension there. They're listening to our audio. Mm-hmm. What they're missing is our eyes, our facial expressions, our hands. I was doing an experiment with college kids once. I said, you know, I'm talking to them, and I said, you know what? My hands just expressed what I said. And they all paused and looked at me. I said, do you realize my hands go with my words? Mm-hmm. I said, everything in my body goes with my words. My, my eyebrows go with my words. My eyes go with my words. I'm communicating to you through my whole body. It's a definition of a dynamic speaker. Yeah. You're using their whole body. Yeah, well, and you do. I mean, you do. You use it, and you're, but my hand isn't distracting. It's not over there, you know, beating on somebody while I'm talking. It's under control, and it goes with my words. Yeah. It is really important to realize that really good communication takes place still face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Not even over, you know, however you go over a face on on media, whatever it is, it's still face-to-face. Yep. It is still important to hug your children. It is important to have contact, human contact. Well, that's how we're designed from the beginning. Absolutely. They didn't have smartphones in the beginning. Yep. It was, you know, no telephone or nothing. It was face-to-face yep. right there. You either control the technology or the technology will control you. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that parents really work um, – diligently at not only setting up time to be with their kids but during that time make it evident that the phones and the media go away Mm -hmm. Uh, so do something with them and make it evident that that's what's happening because they're going to need to learn to do that Mm -hmm. it's the beauty of living up in the north woods here you can go outside yep my backyard five acres no other neighbors yep very safe you can chase chickens Mm -hmm. do your kids chase chickens we try not to have them chase them because then they don't lay eggs very well. Oh, there you go. And we like our eggs. Yeah. 
So uh, a, a little simpler <laughs> life. You said something else earlier that I thought was interesting, too, that I didn't touch on. And that was that you were um, just more thankful uh, for things. And I thought, yeah, you know, when your health is taken away, you're thankful for when you have it. Mm -hmm. And I think yep. we don't express our thanks enough to God for the things that actually work. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, the, I can't remember if it was in this program or the last one. I apologize. But, you know, when I was off chemo for five weeks, I laxed in kind of thanking God for different things because I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, it's going good. Now that I'm back on chemo, it knocks you down a little bit. Right. Gets you off that pedestal. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I'm human. I'm sinful. But I need, you know, it's a good reality check to say, okay, God, I need to, you know, be more thankful here even when I'm, you know, doing well. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's the little things. Being able to get out of bed pain-free for a little bit. Yep. Being able to you know, breathe because there are people who have a difficulty breathing, you know, especially in some of the weather we have right now. It's very muggy and humid yeah. out. It's you know, it's the little things that you start to realize when your your own health is you know, not so good. Yeah, I mean, every country that I've traveled to to speak in, when I come back, I'm so thankful for the very simple things like a bowl of cereal. Mm -hmm. I, I can remember sitting once and evaluating the fact that, do you realize how much effort it took to get me this box of oatmeal? Mm -hmm. I thought that never happened in the country I just spoke at. They didn't have any oatmeal. Mm -hmm. But somebody had to design a box, make a box, figure out how to deliver it, grow the oats, process the oats, put them in the bag, design the bag, put them inside the box. I, I mean, I, I started to count in my head how many people touched the box Mm -hmm. to get it to my counter. And I thought, God, thank you. Yeah. What an incredible thing to think about is how many people are involved to make sure I can eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. And until I went on a mission trip where I saw people not having food, yeah. it didn't occur to me how much effort was put into making sure I had oatmeal. Just a simple, simple thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that pretty much every American takes for granted yeah you know i remember um one of the things and i might have mentioned it before but i with my narcolepsy i love to close my eyes and just leave them closed and i'm not always sleeping but i always immediately when i close my eyes i seem to go into prayer and i realized one day god did you give me narcolepsy so i would pray more i mean it's not a bad thing in fact, most of the time when I close my eyes, I just start saying things like, I love you, God, thank you. I, mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm thinking, why don't I do that when I'm fully energized and awake? Because you're not thinking about I'm it. I'm not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So it's not always a, a bad thing to end up having some things taken away from you because they enrich the things that are important in life. And if they don't, you've been very foolish. Mm -hmm. I have a little plaque that I made years ago that I look at while I do radio. It's across uh, to my right, and it says, No Regrets. And it's something years ago that I thought, this is a very good thing to have ingrained in my brain that one day when I stand before God, I just want to have no regrets. I don't want to have any regrets. If I get, and God gives me a moment on my deathbed, I don't want to have any regrets thinking I should have spent more time with my kids or my wife or anything else. 
Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to Younger Older. This is Dave Wager with Nate Brash, and we've been talking on, we've been talking in the studios of Relate365.com. We invite you to go download these programs and others that are available at that site. On that site, 